Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Milius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Misty Black. Misty Black is a children's book author, a mother of three, a decent cook, and a terrible singer who enjoys annoying her teenagers by singing at the top of her lungs. She is a 12-time best-selling, award-winning author of 22 children's books and is working on 117 more, but who's counting? Misty is an entrepreneur, marketing strategist, and board game enthusiast. Her business experience and mad monopoly skills have helped her sell over 90,000 copies in three years, and she enjoys teaching others about the craft. Let's dive into the pond and meet Misty. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Misty Black. Misty, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad you are. And I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing? Well, it's kind of a long story. Um, well, maybe a shorter story because it didn't start out when I was a child like everybody else dreams of being an author, right? Uh, mine started when I was a little bit older uh, and I had kids of my own and I would write uh, stories. Uh, I would write children's stories and then I would use illustrations of my kids as, or sorry, pictures of my kids as the illustrations. And so that's how I would do scrapbooking for so long, you know, for many, many years. And then one, you know, they loved hearing these stories. They were funny and silly. And, and then one day I was thinking, I'm going to try to get these published. I thought they were good. And so that's kind of how the idea of me being an author started with the ideas of my own kids, the things that they did and said, you know, kids are so funny and they say, you know, their minds just work so much differently than ours. <laughs> Uh, so they have just some funny ideas. And that's how I started um, wanting to write children's books. So when you did start to get your first book underway, would you talk a little bit more about that process and, and what you did? Because yes, you get the idea. Yes, you start writing, but you know, it starts to take shape and you do different things with it. So would you kind of go into that some? Yeah. So my first few books. Of course, I had no idea what I was doing. I, uh, you know, I didn't have a degree in literature. My degree is in finance, and I worked for many years in the corporate world. So really, as far as children's book goes, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, so yeah, I say my stories were good. Those stories, I haven't published at all. Those <laughs> were just my, my practice, <laughs> my practice run. So when I did decide to write children's books, I dove in learning everything I could about children's books, taking, um, going to seminars, um, webinars, courses, classes. I went to a week long convention that was just children's books and it was intense. It was grueling. Uh, I ended up taking, I think three manuscripts you were supposed to take and you beta read each other's critiqued each other's. And I was in tears the last day. <laughs> I was driving to the conference the last day. And I'm like, I cannot do this one more day. Um, you know, your stories are ripped apart. The stories that you love and that you think are great. But it really, really made me a better writer. It was so much for the better um, that I did that, even no matter how hard it was. Um, so I did dive in and learn everything that I could um, so that I could incorporate it into my own books. 
So as so you get the first one that you you feel like you're going to you're going to go somewhere with it. You feel like it's you've written the story, you've gotten some feedback, you start feeling like it's going to take shape somewhere. How do you take it from just the words to turning it into that first book, like the illustrations that go with it? How did you go to work through that process? I've done several books and the process is just a little bit different for each book. And I think it just depends on the illustrator you're working with. Uh, so for my first book, I it was uh, called When You Feel Better. And it was a book that I wrote for my mom. Um, she had already passed away, but she was sick with cancer for many years. And I just remember the feeling that I had while she was sick, that I never lost hope that she would get better. I couldn't lose that hope. It really helped me um, continue from day to day to support her and help her all along thinking of all of the things that we could do when she got better. So that's what that book is. And I ended up finding a sweet little illustrator that does watercolor. And she started on the book and about halfway through, she said, I want you to know that I really feel like this project was inspired for me. I have cancer. And she says, as I'm illustrating this book and as I am feeling these words, um, you know, I'm putting my heart and soul into these illustrations. This book really is touching my heart. And so that was just kind of a cool experience um, that I thought, you know, this was guided and this was meant to be. Um, and she, you know, was open to my illustration ideas and then came up with some of her own. Um, so I think depending on the illustrator you choose, they either don't want any illustration notes and they want complete creative control, or they want you to tell them exactly what you are envisioning for this book, and then they can take it from there, right? So I, I would say most of the illustrators I've worked with have been um, in between that, where I say, you know, this is what I envision, but please, you know, you have this talent that I don't have. Uh, to bring this story to life. And if you can think of something better, I'm all, I'm open for it. So that's been a fun relationship to get with your illustrators where you, you're like, oh man, I just love what you come up, came up with here. So, um, you know, there's a few things back and forth as you're in the illustration phase where you're like, I really love this and this really helped. Or you're like, can you just change this just a little. I don't think I've had a relationship with an illustrator where I have completely been like, let's rework this. This isn't working. Um, I do feel like you're hiring them for their talent and, you know, you have to somewhat be open-minded to that. Right. Um, I mean, and you've picked them because you like their illustration style. I wouldn't, you know, if I didn't like their illustration style, I wouldn't hire them and say, can you draw like this illustrator? <laughs> you know, it's a fun process once you get to the illustration stage and you see the images not only sketched, but then in color and then, you know, put together in a book. The whole process for me is magical. I love it. I absolutely love seeing a book that started out with an idea come to life and then be read by children all over the world. It is an amazing feeling. It's the greatest job in the world. I'm sure you agree. <laughs> I love it. You know, I love, you said a few things in there that I absolutely really love how you said them. So first off, the way you describe the relationship with the illustrator, that's what I experienced with my own for my children's book. So I, I love that where I did have an idea, but you're right. I 
I wanted to work with her because a she had this talent. I don't have this. My stick men are great, but not for for something like this. And mine aren't even great. <laughs> yeah, and and I wanted I wanted it to have this feeling of of having of joy coming through of of this these personalities coming through that I just knew I didn't have that ability on my own with drawing but this person did and we worked together just like how you described but what I love that you hit on was that there was a ripple effect this book that you started was first just it was written it was for children and it was for you and then you touched your illustrator and you have no idea where that could go. And to your point, we've reached children. How many children have that has that impacted that you may or may not know of? Or those families? I just, I love the ripple effect that can happen with, with a book, with the power of a book and the written word like that. And then you also, when you talked about the different illustrators, what made you decide to have different illustrators for different books? I wanted a different illustrator per series. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is illustrations take a long time, right? And I have so many ideas in my head. And when I first started, I had several books going on at once because I had three main series at the beginning. And so I wanted at least the series to be the same illustrator. And then each series can be a different one if, if I chose. But, you know, stories and their themes, they all, you know, have a different art style in my mind. Like, um, you know, the, the whimsical, like the, the gift books that I have, When You Feel Better, Grandma's Are For Love, are more of a watercolor, you know, gift type book that, you know, I see the beauty in. Um, but then my pumpkin friends are these little animals that are more of a digital design. Um, so... Yeah, I just wanted to be able to work with multiple, um, work on multiple books at once. That was the main reason. So what I'm hearing is a few things. One, thinking of it as, an, as this business where you have these multiple pieces. So each book can kind of have its own feel, but yet you're also enabling more products to be able to be created essentially. Right. But right. you're also honoring the intentionality that you have for that series, where one series, to your point, Madeline and its book and its illustrations is a very different feeling than Pete the Cat or than Winnie the Pooh, but they all have their place and they're all beautiful just as they are. And I love how you describe that because each illustration does do that. They, they add a, another dimension to that book, to that brand, really. Right. So, so how did you ensure when you're doing these different series with different illustrations, but bringing it back to the, if you will, a holistic brand that you have as an author, as a, in a business, how do you go about that to make sure that they all stay, you know, under that umbrella, relatively speaking? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I don't know that I've done that super well, <laughs> uh, other than the values that they each have. Um, are true to me as a person and my brand is me so my website is mistyblackauthor.com and, uh, and you know I wouldn't publish anything I didn't believe in myself so I, I think the whole underlying values that each book has is how I brand that together but you know my website and and all of that has a, a different you know branding 
colors, fonts, everything else. I don't think necessarily has to match all my covers. Does that make sense? Yes, but I but that is showing the connectivity, the intentionality behind it. So I, you're doing it. I love that. I love that you're doing it. that's so. That is awesome. Okay, so, I'm doing it without knowing. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> but I, sometimes we do kind of stumble into something like that. Yeah. So I know that you have won some awards, like the Purple Butterfly Awards. Would you talk about what that's like and, and how did you discern when were the right awards to put your name in the hat for and what what that's like? Okay, so this goes back to the beginning and we've kind of discussed this at the beginning. When I became an author, I knew I wanted it to be a business. And so I, you know, read a bunch about that and that, um, I don't know if you've heard of 20 books to 50k uh but I was like okay well if that's what it takes I need to get out 20 books at least right so that was my goal at first I turned a blind eye to the media attention I turned I didn't focus on awards um I was focused on creating books that I was proud of um quality books in in a sort of quick amount of time and so to do that I couldn't focus on these other things. So once I had 20 books out, <laughs> I thought about, well, let's start looking at media attention here. You know, here's a reason why I'm on this podcast or other podcasts that I've done and, and interviews. And, and then I, I applied just, that was the first award I applied for. Um, and I had read about certain ones um, and just thought this one was a good fit. So it's Purple Dragonfly by the yes. Story Monsters, Inc. Um, they're a magazine that is just darling, darling magazine. And I actually talked to the owner when I was creating my courses for children's books. I had an interview with her. What do you offer authors? And I you know, asked her all of these questions. And then she told me about her um, awards. So I applied for that and it was awesome. I had forgotten I applied and I got the email one morning and that's a great thing to wake up to. <laughs> and I, um, you know, I, that was really fun. So I got the first place for Bubblehead, It's Time for Bed, which is um, a bedtime storybook that promotes a bedtime routine, a healthy bedtime routine. And then I got an honorable mention for Grandma's Are for Love. So um, I still need to post about that one, but um, yeah, it's a fun feeling to call yourself an award-winning author, I guess. <laughs> it, it is, but it also has an element of saying somebody else mm -hmm. is seeing what I'm doing. Somebody else is, it's almost kind of like its own form of street cred in the sense of say, somebody else is saying, this is really good. This is real. This is exceptional. Or this is, this is reaching the people, just like you've you're trying to do reach the people reach the readers that you are wanting to connect with i i think that's so cool and thank you for the correction i appreciate that oh no problem at all <laughs> i appreciate I think you're right. that um it does validate you a little bit i think as self-published authors we kind of wonder you know we're like is this really good i mean if you're, you're getting sales and other things can indicate that but it's nice to get a validation from somebody else that looks at this all the time that is judging these things all the time. So yes, it definitely did that. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love that. 
Now, I know that you have a current book out. Would you talk a little bit about that and what inspired it and how you how you wrote something like this? Yeah, my newest book, it's been out a couple months. It's called Klutz the Cat uh, Learns to, to Do Hard Things. Klutz the Cat Learns to Do Hard Things. Um, it's in my Pumpkin Friends Learn Social, Social Skills series. So it's in the social emotional learning category. And it was a natural development from the other stories that I had written. So each book has a character from these friends. So the first one's about a skunk learning to say sorry. Punk the skunk learns to say sorry. One's about controlling your temper, um, gratitude. Um, and they, you know, they're humorous and they don't, you know, it's not a lecture book where, you know, you're going over um, points in the book. It's actually an actual story. And then at the end, I have um, parent and teacher discussion materials for each of those books. But I work with a school counselor that helps me come up with the official um, discussion material at the end, um, because I want it to be very current and correct. And she says, this is the issue I deal with daily. Children have such a hard time learning new things. They think it's too hard and they don't want to even try. They're scared of failure. Um, they're scared of, you know, not, not um, being able to accomplish the thing they want to do. And so I wanted to write a book about that, um, that it's okay to fail. Like that is a normal part of succeeding. It's a normal part of everyday life. And failure and success look different for everybody. And everybody's hard looks different. You know, you have kids with um, learning disabilities or other kind of development disabilities, and their heart is different. Um, and their success might be different. So uh, I came up with a little motto that Klutz says to himself. He says, I don't know how to do this yet. And though it may be tough, I'll try my best to do it right. My best is good enough. And so there's several points in there that, you know, if you add yet onto the end of an I can't statement, it's very powerful and um, encourages a growth mindset because none of us knew how to do any of this at one time. And that's okay. Um, and then also to know that your best is good enough. You may not be the best, but your best is good enough. And you may not win. Um, like in the story, it's, it's about a bike race and you may not win, but did you try? Did you get up when you failed? And that's what this book is about. Oh, I love all of that so, so much. I, I love your, you're right. The power in adding yet to something and even adults can be benefit from that by saying yet, or, you know, the other side of that is that when you hear someone say something, something, but that, 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 well, whatever comes after, but has just negated what came before that. So if you're trying to make that more uh, something positive, but maybe say, and whatever this other piece is so that you're showing the the transition and keeping that and this and we're building upon this and we can learn from this type of thing yet there's more to do yet there's more to learn so I love the power of yet in this so I love also that you said that you work with that you worked with a school counselor you've worked with someone in the school system so that your, your material is relevant 
and you're reaching the, the children you're trying to connect with. How did you go about doing that? How did you go about creating that relationship, getting that going? How do you know how much information that they give you to include? Because you might get a lot and you might not be trying to cover, you know, A through Z. You might be just saying, I just need to, this book needs to just be A and B right now. Right. Um, she's a friend of mine. So she lives in my neighborhood. Um, she's an incredible person. Like she is just so full of knowledge. And, you know, we were walking one day and I told, and this was in, with my very first book. And I was asking her um, about bullying because Punk, the Skunk Learns to Say Sorry is an anti-bullying book from a different perspective. So Punk ends up being the bully, which is why he has to say sorry. Um, and, and I mean, the things he does aren't, you know, so, so harsh. I mean, they're not great. Let's say that they're not great, but, um, you know, you think bullying is, you know, hitting or punching or name calling or really, really hurtful things. And punk definitely isn't nice, but I, I asked her, is it okay to refer to this as bullying? So we were, that's how we got on the discussion about that. And she had a lot to say about it. And I was like, can can you give me some things I can add to the end of the book for discussion materials? And so that's how that relationship came to be. And she's just been so helpful. Um, and then I will ask her, you know, what are some relevant issues that your students are facing? You know, what do you deal with on a daily basis to kind of come up with some ideas and, and ways that I can write my story to be really relevant to children that age? So I love also the fact that you mentioned this, uh, the discussion pieces at the end, because I believe that it, the author might start the book, the reader picks it up, and then they continue it. It's really mm -hmm. cool when it's continued, either sharing that book, a conversation that stems from that book, you know, or, or shifts for that reader, because it inspired them to do something different or think differently. That too is an extension of the book. So have you heard like more I'd love you to talk a little bit more about the discussion element because I usually hear that in the context of maybe book club type of thing but you've taken this as fiction you've turned it into a way to talk through something and you're making it digestible for little ones to understand and not feel threatened by it and feel like they can get their their head around it so how did you go about writing discussion questions so that a, a child would really feel seen and and they could understand it yeah so that's um a good point that you say it's a fiction book but non-fiction I had a hard time categorizing ultimately it is a fiction story but but the discussion material at the end is very non-fiction it's very real um very much things that our kids are dealing with and so I, I wanted to tailor it to the kids. With Punk and Friends, we talk about um, we talk about bullying and how you can determine if you're being bullied uh, and what to do about it. So he starts out teasing, innocently teasing, and it just progressively gets worse. So, um, you know, and we talk about how what a bully needs, you know, they need to be told to stop, you know, they need to be you need to be clear and direct um if you can't do that get an adult's help um befriend the bully if you have the courage to do so maybe sometimes they just feel left out and need a friend there's lots of ideas in the back of that book that 
children can incorporate if they feel like they can. Um, and if they feel like they can't, you know, I say to talk to an adult too. Specifically for Klutz the cat, let me think. So uh, I've talked about a few of the things, but um, I talk about the power of yet, you know, adding sentences to uh, adding yet to I can't sentences is a really good way to tell yourself affirmations. So if you say daily affirmations of something you're not sure of, just add yet onto it. I, this is, you know, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this yet, but I can learn. Um, I can do hard things. And, and I have a little affirmation poster. It's the size of the book. It's not really a poster, but it's a cutout that says I can do hard things that kids can hang on their wall because that's something that they can tell themselves to remind themselves that everybody's hard looks different. Um, and, and discussing that with children and so that they can be more empathetic to those kids that are struggling. Maybe they are actually not the ones struggling. Maybe they're the ones that are really good at a specific thing, but they see somebody struggling and can understand that's okay that they're struggling. They're trying, you know, and, and not to um, make it harder to be a helper, not to make it harder for them. I love that so much. I love that so much. So you have, like you said, over 18, over 20 children's books. How do you go about, you know, and it also sounds like the, the releasing multiple books in a year idea. So how do you go about the marketing element, the getting the books into the child's hands? Do you do more school visits or do you like, how, how do you go about that? The marketing pieces of that, because that is impressive. <laughs> I started out just one book at a time, like everybody else, but it was my goal to get them out quite quickly. Um, but I also didn't want them to be quickly done in the point, in the sense that they weren't quality. Um, so I, I had spent a lot of time on each book, just making sure it was exactly what I wanted. And then I learned Amazon ads. Um, the majority of my sales come from Amazon um, or Ingram Spark. And I do school visits. I didn't have time at first because, like I said, I had a focus. Um, I would go and do school visits when they asked me. And I still do that. Um, but as far as reaching out to schools, I haven't had a lot of time to do that. I know there are ways to do that. And I do plan on doing that in the future. I think it's a great way to get out there. Um, but I've had, you know, people contact me, I actually have a visit. My first far off visit is like six and a half hour drive. And that's in the spring. So uh, I do put it in my book, you know, or on my website that I do author visits, but I do get contacted for those. Um, I do want to do more of those, though. So I think I'll reach out sooner than later. But um, I've done vendor booths. I've done, um, yeah, in-person sales. So I think the biggest thing for me was learning how to sell on Amazon. I'm not saying Amazon is the only source and a lot of authors don't have that as their focus. And that is completely fine. They sell on their website or they do their offset printing, um, elsewhere. And that's great too. I think whatever is working for you, is great. I know a lot of authors that only do bulk orders to schools or, or whatever, you know, whatever, wherever you can find your avenue for sales is great. 
Um, I'm just surprised at the reach that I've gotten. I'm very humbled by it. Um, you know, I had a Romanian publisher reach out to me to publish one of my books, My Grandma's Are for Love book. And we just had, I had an interview for the launch and it was so amazing. She, she was very cute. And she says, I'm holding your book in my hand clear across the country from you in another language. Um, how does that make you feel? And it was very humbling. Um, and there were, you know, lots of people in on the launch making comments in Romania that I couldn't understand. She translated them for me and it was very humbling. I, I had no idea, you know, that a little children's book could have such a far reach. It's such a cool experience to know that children all, all over the world are reading your story. Yeah, it is. I, I love that so, so much. Misty, this has been absolutely awesome. Where can people connect with you and where can they get your books? <laughs> so I am on mistyblackauthor.com. At the top, there's a bar, a bar that says books. You can read about my books there. Um, I'm on Instagram uh, at Misty Black Author, Facebook at Misty Black Author. And, you know, I, I would love to connect, um, say, come say hi. And yeah, I do offer, um, you know, I have a, a course on writing children's books and I have a course on getting your books published. Um, it's a, it's a, um, quite the process as I'm sure you would agree. Uh, and if I had some help, I, I think it would have been really nice. I, I did have help. Don't get me wrong. I did have help. But to have a course that walks you through it step by step would, would have been awesome. <laughs> so I created that. I love that you did, because that is definitely something that you're right, that you can learn it and learn it in so many different ways. But to have something that is guiding you along the way, that it feels like somebody is truly holding your hand through a process there's something to be said for that. So that's cool that you did that. Thank you so very much, Misty. This has been awesome. I, thank you for having me. I feel like we could talk for hours. We're, we're like instant friends. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.